0: You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you may be already be good at it. But to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason. To do something truly extraordinary. But what are you gonna do to get there? Welcome to the Magnum Method Podcast and I am very fortunate to sit down today with Mr. Matthew Sherman. Matt Sherman, most importantly, first and foremost is an anatomy member. He's also an entrepreneur and the creator, innovator, and he's pretty much started the green juice movement in the United States of America, in my opinion. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Matt.
1: Thanks, Mark. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if but, I started the green look, juice. I'm just
0: going to say, wait, hold on. Let me cut you off right there. I mean, I'm not supposed to cut people off on the show. It's all about you. But I'm just going to say this, and then I'm going to stop talking after I ask a question or two. But there's no doubt that there were other people doing green juice. I'm sure they were doing green juice in the back of garage gas station stores, and things like that all across the country. But... Matt made it cool and absolutely crushed it and did a great job. And he's sitting with me today because he's got a great story. He came in the other day, spoke to our team, and we were like, wow. It was just freaking awesome. We're still talking about it, by the way. So thank you very much, Matt. You're more than welcome. It was my honor. Thank you. Um, But we brought Matt here uh, on the show today to hear his story and i want you to hear his story man because he's a smart dude i got a lot of respect for him and uh he's always doing something innovative and special so welcome
1: thank you very much (laughs) once again and Jack lane was the the man behind green juice way before me
0: i thought it was jim carrey on uh, in living color (laughs) give me the juice on the joints
1: oh i forgot about that jim carrey's a classic
0: (laughs) that's right so, Matt, tell us about your start. There's a few things I didn't know about you, and that was, I think you told me a long time ago, but or a few years ago, but you started off your journey um, with, as a young, were you a young person? Were you always heavy?
1: So, uh, I was a normal weight kid until I was about six years old, and then at six, uh, I ended up starting having a lot of weight fluctuations, and I played a lot of sports growing up, so in season i would be at a healthy weight and then out of season i would gain a lot of weight and then uh my my journey through that was like always just being frustrated with my eating habits i was very much an emotional eater very much a a secret eater um i remember like at like seven years old being scolded by my babysitter for like going and grabbing ho-hos from the from uh, the cabinet like after dinner. So it
0: wasn't one ho-ho? <laughs> no,
1: it was many. <laughs>
0: Here's the box. It was, it was a lot. <laughs> no, I
1: tended to overeat quite a bit and eat emotionally and uh, that became a, a real way of uh, coping and a real way of dealing with things for me. I think, you know, oftentimes you know, the first way we receive love in life, right, is from our mother as food. So I think food is a really common coping mechanism for a lot of people, and addiction thing that we all lean on, you know, some people it's exercise, some people it's shopping, some people it's alcohol, some people it's drugs, um, TV, whatever it is that we lean on to be distracted sometimes from our reality or cope with emotions that we don't know how to process or handle. Um, We end up leaning on things. And for me, um, drugs and alcohol, I don't like hangovers. So food was like perfect for me.
0: I always say that most people, in some way, shape, or form, have an issue with food. They eat too much, they eat too little, they obsess. Like, at some point in your life, it gets you, I always say that. And it, and it got me, because I used to play sports for a living, and I was 250-plus pounds. And when I finished playing football, my I, I tell the story often, but... When I finished playing football my excuse was hey man I don't want to be one of those out of- shape football players so instead of being 200 pounds I was 180 pounds 250 to 180 and it looked like a skeleton and, and what are you now and I was like oh I'm healthy about 215 it didn't look good I'll show you a picture sometime it's bad it's a it's a bad look it's not even fashion chic <laughs> it's bad so you 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 had struggles um, with your weight and is that what led you to dig into the psychology?
1: No. So <clears throat> I think, well, I, I think I got a really great perspective on what it means to struggle without real struggle, right? So, like when you're obese, I was 360 pounds. And for those of you who have never met me and Ooh. can't see me, I'm five foot uh, nine on a really good day. So,
0: you say five, seven. <laughs> yeah, five, <laughs> five, five, seven on a bad day. What do, what do you weigh day. right now?
1: Right now, I'm about 180.
0: Wow. Ooh. And,
1: um, you know, so double the weight that I am now. And that kind of obesity causes you to develop other skill sets. So I actually think it led to a lot of some of the abilities I have to relate to humans, to see people beyond what they are showing to be. Because so I always knew I had uh, a lot of other capacities, but I didn't. Uh, wasn't easily received a lot of the way also um learned how to relate to people at a really high level because you're not easily physically accepted at that size but i was a really popular kid growing up so like i always had a lot of friends and things like that but
0: just taking some notes
1: i developed the skill set to like to be able to relate to people
0: it's interesting that you know when you you struggle with certain things it almost gives you as you said like a superpower right like you 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 had you developed some sort of an x-ray vision you could see right through people because they i guess you were so connected with yourself and so sensitive because of the things that you were probably dealing with no
1: yeah well definitely and i think i've also gathered those things as i've uh, had different runs in life of a lot of uh social acceptance or uh, had things fail or succeed and have perceived success and like people come and go from your life so throughout my life I've learned to really be able to understand like what people's real motives are ask good questions move things move through uh, relationships really cautiously Mm. Um, and that's been a lifelong learning lesson but I definitely think uh, being 360 pounds helped me develop that that ability
0: you see things differently now i'm sure yes i'm sure good and bad all of it
1: yeah mostly good i gotta say i mean i there was some uh, i guess to update the people on the podcast who don't know me or my background i started a business in miami florida which mark was referring to earlier called hugo fresh which is a cold pressed juice smoothie acai bowl raw vegan food Company and we grew really quickly. I started it from my home and in uh, 2010, uh, and then in 2012 we opened up our first retail. And we were like the fifth, sixth juice company in the nation. And now there's probably like 400, so the market changed quite a bit.
0: There's probably 400 in our neighborhood. Yeah, there's a lot in our neighborhood. <laughs> just but what? are you going to go back I'm sorry Matt so, to, to the early story yeah How so to start?
1: so I built a business uh, became oh. uh, what I would say is a, a pretty profound business for Miami it had a uh, seemed to have a huge impact on a lot of people and when we closed I received a uh, a ton of feedback from a lot of people both in the juice food industry saying thank you so much you really inspired me to start my business and uh in that a I received a lot of positive I also received some negative I also saw some people who you know lost interest or didn't reach out and didn't communicate so you get to see all facets of humanity I always feel like all of these big pivots or things that happen to you in life whether that's you get sick or you get this social experiment where you get to get all this feedback from the world about what really matters about who really is there for you how people want to show up for people when they're in struggle what's the kind of language that they use so really it's been an awesome look into humanity and no judgment for those who didn't call me if you're listening I, I still love you no no qualms with that but you know the the amount of love that we received as an overall company and brand was tremendous so uh overall i think it, it was a an experience of positivity
0: and let me just jump in quick matt um i was working at a facility down by 5th street in Miami Beach and when I was at that facility people would leave that facility where there was a smoothie shop and everything you more or less needed to drive 15 streets in traffic in a busy beach to go to this shop Hugo Fresh and when you would get there and by the way at the time I didn't know what it was and I said I gotta go check this place out because everyone and their mothers going there so when I got there there was a line of 20-25 people out the door waiting And they weren't buying one juice They were buying like the whole set of like the Detox Which was like, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, 15 And they were just crushing it And, and Matt, in all seriousness He made it cool Because it's one of those things where you know, It might not have been the thing to do Drink green juice at the time And it, you, a lot of people weren't necessarily doing it But when Matt came onto the scene People really started to take to it and I saw it firsthand. So he was responsible and he really created a great culture.
1: Yeah, right? I think that was informed by two things. One, definitely my own journey losing weight. So, like, I knew just from the process of losing weight that it couldn't be an arduous task, right? Like, if it felt too heavy, if it didn't feel good to do it, it was hard to get somebody to do it, especially if they already struggled with it. And then I got to know Miami. And Miami was really a lot about looking cool. So I was like, okay. So being healthy in that facet and being plant-based is not necessarily cool right now. So there's a loss of identity if somebody who is like, you know, really cares a lot about how they look from the exterior standpoint to the public. There was a real struggle to switch to eating those sort of foods because, you know, some of the other places just didn't have that feel to them. So I was like, okay, if I create something that is relatable that you can still up your cool factor and get in the plant food then i can really start to integrate this into the community of miami in a, in a more profound way so that was a very big part of our early strategy
0: tell the listeners matt the story about when you first had your first juice and what it did to you because i thought that was a great piece that you shared with the team last thursday
1: so, um, I was at a place in Hawaii where part of my duties working there was a, a, Gershon cancer treatment facility. Part of my duties working there was to make the juice for the patients. And I had never had a cold press juice before. In fact, I hated juice because I was used to the centrifugal, which the centrifugal, for those of you who don't know, is the ones that they have at like typically at, uh, markets where you put the vegetables or the fruits in on one side it makes a noise it spits out the pulp on one side and a little bit of juice on the other side generally that juice has a a low viscosity because it also has a low nutrient count and it tasted like dirty water to me more or less Mm -hmm. and i never Mm -hmm. was really into it and then when i first had a cold pressed juice because cold pressed juice removes five times as many nutrients it has a certain mouthfeel and viscosity to it and it sits on the palate in a different way and i was like wow this is amazing and i could feel it go into my veins oxygenate my blood and felt more alive almost instantly the first time i had uh, juice off of a norwalk press which is still to this day it's the oldest cold press juice machine out there there's been plenty innovated since then mm-hmm. to this day it's still the best makes the best juice why is that I think it's the, the process of breaking down the cells walls. So, you know, when you have a, a vegetable, each one of the vegetables is made up of a series of cells, just like we are inside of those cells is where the nutrients are. So the better the process of breaking down the vegetable and the cells, the more you open it up, the more nutrients can be extracted.
0: Oh, wow. So there's the pressure
1: that. and then there's also the breaking down of it. Pressure, everybody does pretty well. The breaking down, the door walk does the best.
0: Awesome awesome and and you you shared a great story um you know the cells was a great analogy to i guess maybe people in the culture that you have to really like be careful of the culture i guess we could bring that in a little bit later but so you're in hugo fresh and uh you're you know doing very well um and, and what was that like that run because i can imagine that you were being 360 pounds is no picnic you know I haven't been there but I can only imagine I was a chubby boy and a little bit in my teens but not after that um, what was it like now because you had lost all the weight right It well, was a big shift so,
1: so the I think for me uh, important note is that I struggled with a lot of things so you know I really struggled in school quite a bit uh, I was turned very early on as dyslexic and uh, having a lot of learning disabilities
0: i was dyslexic as well
1: and i got this label and it made me really disinterested in in school and i didn't know how to be successful in school so that was another major challenge for me is i never felt like i fit in there now i ended up years later having multiple degrees including a master's degree in performance psychology and being able to speak other language so Dr. Otterbein, if Incredible. you're listening to this, can I swear on here? Yeah, of course. You can go fuck yourself, Dr. Otterbein, for everything that you told we, me I we, couldn't do. We all have that person, but
0: he was the best motivator. Hey. He was a motivator. You should thank him. I, I should. He I should was write a motivator. A letter. I mean, we don't want to give him too much credit, but he was in there. He was in the back of your mind when that master's degree work got hard. Yeah, he was there. You're like, I'm going to take this and I'm going to shove it. up. No, I'm just bleep that out. But a
1: hundred percent. And so that was a big struggle for me. And then, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, so I wasn't used to like what Miami really has to offer as far as like people and opportunities socially and and these sort of things. So I wasn't used to anything. So when we had that success, I went from literally being able to walk anywhere in Miami completely anonymously to, you know, barely being able to walk down a, a street without saying hi to somebody or somebody asking me a question or knowing somebody so my life changed drastically
0: that's true man Matt, we went to like I, I, whatever I think it's straight up celebrity status in Miami seriously really It's it, it was so interesting I remember
1: it at a point uh, maybe in year late year one maybe even early year two mm-hmm. I hadn't seen my parents in quite some time maybe like I don't know six months or so and I went to go my friends had a restaurant around the corner from Hugo Fresh and we went over there to have dinner with my parents I hadn't seen them in forever mm-hmm. and this guy comes up to the table and starts asking me whether or not he should have the Ray Jorge or the Raw Power and what you should have for breakfast <laughs> and it was like all I could think about was like dude I'm trying to talk to my parents bro like
0: that's what it's like now you know it's like no autographs man I'm with my family man <laughs> and I was
1: like you know, my life has changed quite a bit and you know uh, it, it's something now that I really uh, have learned to embrace it was it was really hard for me early on just uh, being in those sort of situations because I wasn't used to it now I see it as an opportunity to, to share a lot of love with a lot of people and meet a lot of people and uh, be an activist in a lot of ways um, for for humanity so I, I've chosen to go in a different way and you know the sort of micro Sunset Harbor celebrity
0: right, 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 thing that right, happens right.
1: in this neighborhood is really strong, and I think it's strong for a lot of people here. And I, I see it play out, and I'm sure it plays out a ton for you, you know. And but there's also some amazing opportunities that that brings. So.
0: Yeah, you get to meet a lot of. There's a lot of great people, and, and I, I do like Sunset Harbor. I like it because you can walk everywhere. Yeah, and I like the the people here. And you know, you go down the street, you go out to eat. You know, you see Chef B, you see Nayara you see the barbershop they just there's a lot of places that or people rather they just it's a great feeling of community it is I mean I don't care if you're at you know what gym you're at because you know you got Cody's you got Derek Barry's You I mean Reset there's just a lot of good people around and they're really just trying to do the best they can and you know um it is what it is, Johnny at sobe kick and and i I love that feeling of community, and I think that you you had a lot to do with that because I don't care what Jimmy go to. everyone ends up at Hugo Fresh so
1: yeah, it was a, it this neighborhood when when we first came, it was pub belly burger and beer, tow Lots, I miss Burger and beer green monkey, Sardinia and Joe Allen's. That's right. And that was pretty much it. And then there was a hair place that was still open and the cleaners next to us and the Publix, the Spaceship Publix that everybody
0: oh, yeah, loves yeah, so yeah, much.
1: Yeah. Um, but other than that, there wasn't much in this neighborhood. And now in this neighborhood is just jam packed with, with different businesses, which is mm-hmm. so cool to see.
0: And what very cool to see. And so how, how, how did it go? Tell, tell Let's talk about the pathway. So the first year you, you, you're doing well, you're doing great. And then you started to make, I guess some changes and innovate even more and, and, and create more. What was that like? Cause I'm sure that just took off. And as you said in the team meeting, you really didn't have a background as a business owner. And this was your first time going through it. And
1: yeah, I mean, I had no like, clue. Like I, I didn't know how to like read a P and L. I didn't know what a business model was. You know, I was a my background was in as a, a basketball coach and then as sport and exercise psychology consultant and then as a life coach. So integrating all of those things, working with a lot of athletes, working with a lot of individuals in that capacity, I knew how to serve really well. Um, and right before we were opening, uh, I had about twenty thousand dollars left in my bank account, I had a nine thousand dollar payroll, needed inventory, and we hadn't gotten our permit yet. And I said, so no
0: stress, low stress.
1: I, I was I was actually on my floor. My grandmother had passed away in April. Oh my goodness! And I was on my floor crying to my passed away grandmother, begging her if she could do something at the city to get our permits through, <laughs> so we could get open. Because I was afraid we were going to go out of business. We opened up on the first day, and we just kept. We didn't tell the city anything. We just kept the our our doors covered, and we kept the paper on the walls and on the windows so nobody would know that we were open. And I just opened the door a little bit and told some people that we were open and posted something on social media. And we had like a almost $3,000 day on our very first day with our windows completely covered. Wow. And I remember one of the guys who worked wow. for me uh, being like, those were all your friends. Don't get used to this. It's not gonna be the same tomorrow. And I said, okay, let's make let's make enough juice. That's,
0: that's Yeah, that's supportive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: And uh, it turned out the next day we, we did great and I didn't know anything about whether or not we were performing well as a business. I just knew my bank account was going up and I was like, this is really good. And I knew our top line and I knew that we were making money because I could see that in my bank account. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand taxes and depreciation or um, managing labor because we had so much revenue that there wasn't much of a need. If you could fit in this shop, then you were doing a great job right? because it was a very tiny shop. And uh, then, uh, you know, that was just a, a process of just going as fast as we could because I wanted to, to grow and to be able to give everybody an opportunity to grow. Right. So we just ended up signing about, Five leases after 13 months of being in business. We signed five leases and uh, ended up growing really, really fast.
0: Five leases, including are those leases in in Whole Foods?
1: No, this was before Whole Foods.
0: Man, that's a monster task, man. I'm stressed just hearing about it.
1: Yeah, it was honestly, it almost killed me. I got as unhealthy as you could possibly be. So, like, and it was so interesting. I, I ended up and making all sorts of personal mistakes like in a relationship with an awesome person but not the right fit for me and really uh and so that was really stressful as well as the uh, work was really stressful and it was so interesting because the body is such a fascinating thing that i ended up gaining a ton of weight even though i was eating really healthy i was exercising all the time it was just the amount of stress my body could not handle it
0: excessive cortisol can do wonders huh
1: well it was interesting and then i went to a doctor and i was convinced that i was dying like convinced <laughs> like i knew that i was dying chest I, pain I, I had something you no know, it was like just this feeling of just being sick oh my god and i went to the doctor in 2016 2016 ish and i said hey doc i said i'm dying and i need you to figure out why so we can fix this because i don't want to die and uh, he ended up doing hormone tests and my hormones were so out of whack that he said it was the same as like somebody with PTSD and that I had just been experiencing so much stress over the years that my system was failing and it was failing to process correctly and deal with things correctly I couldn't digest like I would eat didn't matter what I would eat I would never feel nourished and I just couldn't process food and it was such an interesting process for me
0: you know it's so interesting I I always feel like you have blood work, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a science believer. I believe in science. You know, I usually tell people, you know, if it's not science based, I really can't talk to you. But, you know, the truth is, I don't think you can ever account for that stress factor. Like, you could be on point with your nutrition, you could be on point with, you know, so many things. But if you're not feeling good, and if you're overwhelmed with stress, which causes you anxiety, I don't give a shit what you're eating. Really, I don't care. Like, there's some people I've worked with that they're just stressed. They are significantly affected by every type of stress that comes their way. It's So, I mean, and you're a great case of it. I mean, what well, did you do? Well,
1: what's so interesting about it is I had learned so many mental tools at that point between meditation, yoga, uh, performance psychology, all these things to manage stress mentally, but what was crazy is my body, even though you could manage it mentally and I could like, you know, if you walked up to me in my shop and like talk to me, you'd be like, oh, Matthew's doing great, you know, because I'd learned how to manage that at such a high level. But behind the scenes, I was, I thought I was dying mm-hmm. physically. So what was really interesting for me is I saw how much, how much, how much disconnect there is between mind and body and how easily they can shift away from each other mm. and i mean you know not to get so far off of science but the the spirituality aspect of it and like if that's ignored how much that really works uh in tandem to make a healthy you and what is a complete healthy you is much more complicated than just what you eat what you do for exercise It's what you think it's how you interact it's how you feel it's how you connect to yourself from a soulful perspective and uh, you know I've really as much as I had studied life coaching and we talk it's holistic life coaching as much as I had studied it and knew that in my head it took having a full experience of being disjointed again for me to really get it and uh, now I profoundly get what it means to feel healthy and I'm not at like my ideal weight or like what i think i could like be at physically and i don't like have a like a agenda for eating perfectly or mm. having this but i f- am incredibly happy because all of those things are constantly working towards betterment and they're mm. not suffering in any category right of of you know spirituality food exercise relationship career they're all they're all working, and they're all really nurtured a lot by me, whereas, like, I ignored certain categories before.
0: Right. I mean, I think, you, you know, with with what I do, if I'm working with a client or an athlete, I could do the most basic things in the world, but and it could be the greatest program, and, you know, I could pound my chest thinking I'm giving great coaching, but if that individual's mind isn't in the right place, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter, and everyone wants to play the... know perfect programming or perfect scenario card the that mind can shut down everything and we're going to bring it into the business later and your team and how you would work manage your team and if you had someone in there that wasn't the most positive person and you gave the analogy of a cell Hmm. so let's take us to uh things you do well you sign five leases and now it's becoming overwhelming
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, it was the most stressful couple of years of my life trying to, to manage contractors and architects. Is like you were
0: all alone doing this.
1: Um, I had my uh, best friend was was working with me quite a bit, and I had a, a really strong team. But I was responsible for the growth aspect and the larger business decisions. I wasn't doing all the operational stuff. I had a great at that point in time. I had an amazing store manager um uh, named Allie and my uh, best friend paco really held down the fort of the daily interactions of the shop and then brought in some other people that were really great that helped manage some of the back-end stuff and i made some mistakes in in there but the the main responsibility for me was the growth category and Mm -hmm. getting those shops designed and built out and those sort of things which is like yeah.
0: so it's a massive undertaking I mean
1: the job of a contractor and architect is to, to part to make you part from your money uh, and, and they do it well <laughs> and they do it in manners that are really hard for a novice to understand I didn't speak uh, Miami uh, city design I didn't speak contractor lingo I didn't know those things yeah. the first shop I built I built with a really close uh, friend of mine and it was like I was in there every day, you know, Mm -hmm. and I became friends with every supervisor and every employee who worked for them. But when you're doing that for five things and everybody thinks that you're getting rich, it's a different ballgame.
0: I'm sure. I I can't even imagine. I mean, we have a team of here divvying up the work and it's still overwhelming. So I can't imagine what you went through there. So now, now Matt, Phyllis, talk to us about your team. So you, you have a team in Hugo Fresh. And, and what type of culture did you create within your team at Hugo Fresh because you started off and I know that you had some unbelievable people on your team and I met some of them and many of them and all great people and then what was it like from the beginning to the middle and then towards the end there what, what, was there a shift was there a change to tell us so I think there were
1: several shifts in the culture so the beginning culture was like my hippie love culture so like when I first started hiring people, I would only make juice to love songs. So I had like a playlist of love songs. That literally is all I would make juice to. And then I hired some people and they were like, dude, we can't listen to this shit all the time. Can we please put on some Jay-Z? Can we please put on some Kanye? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, fine. So. Little by little Millennials. Uh, yeah, they weren't even millennials. <laughs> they, were, they were my age. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, little by little, the culture started to m- take shape with other people. My best friend, I got him down from New York. And uh, when he came in, he tasted my, my cleanse program, which had three green juices. And they were all the same three green juices. And he was like, dude, these are disgusting. They're way too green. We need to make an entry green. And that's when we created this philosophy around bringing people in through a process. of, And so the culture started to manifest through a lot of interactions, a lot of openness. And when we first opened, it was a culture of like everybody together being really knowledgeable about the product and accepting people as they are when they come in. So like no matter where you are in your health journey, my philosophy very early on was make it fun. So if you came in and you're and you felt intimidated by any product, we tried to reduce that anxiety as much as possible by making it interesting, giving you free stuff to taste, you know, making sure that you felt really comfortable with the process. Mm -hmm. And it was a real culture of knowledge, a real culture of acceptance, a real culture of fun. I played a lot of like backpacker hip hop, a lot of New Orleans brass band jazz, and some Latin music. And that mix was like something that people had never heard in in a. In a healthy juice shop before you know now everybody's playing that mix in every single food and restaurant everybody has snapback hats and everybody has a lot of these things that they didn't Um, have back then you know
0: where was i i was talking to a friend on the phone i'm not i might screw this up i think it was a friend who was in new jersey or he was in pittsburgh i'm sorry but when he he follows me and we're close friends but he said when he went to the juice shop he said, this reminds me of a place in Miami Beach called Hugo Fresh. And the guy said, that's exactly where we got the concept from. Yeah. That's what he said. Dude, I,
1: I've, I've literally flown to Paris and I get off a plane and I go to a juice shop. And I will walk in and they will be like, oh my God, you're Matthew from Hugo Fresh. And I'll be like, oh, did I serve you? At, at Hugo Fresh did you come to the shop? And they're like, no, no, no. I just follow you on Instagram.
0: I did this because wow. of you. I've had it happen wow. in
1: Bogota. I've had it happen all over the Dude, world. Dude, that's
0: powerful, man. That, that's a big deal. And look, I, I, you know, I know we know social media has ups and downs, positives and negatives, but that's a powerful thing, man, to touch people all over the world like that. Yeah. That's a big deal, man. It, a lot of responsibility, cool. but that's cool. Really, No,
1: I really think that we, we were... I said it in, in the – if uh, if you all follow Hugo Fresh on Instagram, you can see what what I wrote for our closing letter. But one of the things that I wrote is, you know, I, I'm a very uh, oriented towards goal setting, right? So I really like to set goals. And I set goals early on with Hugo Fresh, which was make healthy eating fun and cool and get the wealthier, uh, more uh, – uh tapped in people in miami to start to have more plants in their bodies because the way that i figured it is the more high vibrational food you eat the more your cells become high vibrational and i know your cells make you up so all of you becomes high vibrational when you're eating high vibrational food Mm. so if i can get that and sneak that into people on a regular basis they're going to make better decisions they're going to make higher vibration decisions and I think we were able to achieve those. I just forgot to make one of the goals to be financially successful and to get the right partnerships and to you know find the right business partner cuz I really needed a business partner early on. So now I know that like you know if anybody's listening that's thinking about starting their own business the more you can make your goals early on complete cuz you're probably a really powerful manifester and your words are spells and words are really important. And Mark knows, I mean, he's constantly setting goals and, and putting words up on the wall and uh, using words to help give direction to his team. You know, th- those words need to be chosen really thoughtfully. And they need to be chosen thoughtfully that not only for what you want to put out in the world, but what I would suggest to people is that you those words are also things that make things for you come true in your life and provide stability or provide the life that you want because so easily our businesses can consume us in a powerful way and that's not it's just because you don't know any better you're like oh I'm going to make my business great but what you forget is that you know you're the main driver in that and how can you make sure that you're also getting served throughout that process that you're also being taken care of that like you have your time to do you
0: yeah that's powerful I I think you know it comes down to and I'm definitely guilty of this you know I'm getting up early I'm going to bed late you know you got to take care of yourself at the end of the day like It's not cool to sleep three hours a night all the time. It's just not okay. Like, I don't pound my chest when I do it. People see me when I get up and when I go to bed, and I get several messages. Hey, man, you know that's not good for you? And I'm like, dude, you're absolutely right. It's horrible for you. I'm well aware of it. I'm doing everything I can and trying to put systems in place to make it better. I just don't think that people understand that you... Must as Matt said take care of yourself in order to take care of other people and then from there You cannot ask people to do something if it doesn't live in you you have to live what you're trying to put out there and There are no bad teams just uh, challenge leaders and if you're struggling as a leader your team will struggle and it's so hard to run a freaking business and be on top of it. You said something the other day in the team meeting that was so powerful. I don't know if you said it was easy, but it's not necessarily that hard to get to the to the top. And then you said to stay there. Yeah. That's really hard. That's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And then your your line about business you said business is not for the faint of heart. You said it's yeah. for
1: it's for warriors yeah
0: warriors and gladiators it's no picnic man
1: no it, it's not and what's interesting about like a situation like uh like yours right is like if if we all realized how dynamic it was and that was another learning with the closing of Google fresh right is like so often owners put so much on their shoulders early on or they de- over delegate right so there's like this uh as we say in yoga and asana there's like the strength and the grace right so like you need to be strong and you need to know that you can do things but you also need to be graceful and ask for what you need support in because you are you are paying people and you need them to do their job and if you're over strong then oftentimes they they end up leaning quite a bit on you and if you're over uh graceful in the in the way of like being like no you do that you do that you do that and then they wonder why they're even working for you you know
0: right absolutely so
1: it's it's such a a fine balance and it takes such strong communication but you know if you are an employee rather than an owner it's like realizing how dynamic this world is and how much we need each other to make anything happen right that we don't act in a silo that nothing happens in a silo this community the 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 united states the planet that we get to live on We're all constantly influencing each other, whether it's me and you right here on this podcast and somebody in uh, Africa or somebody in Asia or somebody in Europe, what we do on a daily basis impacts each other. Sometimes on like the most subtle micro level, if if it's a long distance, sometimes not so subtle when it comes to the people that we work with, but if you're going to spend 40 hours a week in an environment that's you know that's like something like 60% of your awake hours maybe less for you but for like an average 7 to 8 hour sleeper that's a lot of their awake hours
0: oh yeah you You spend more time there than your significant other all the time
1: so you want to make that as powerful as possible yeah right And, and that's what that's where I think if you're on the other side if you're not an owner if you're an employee learning to take care of each other so like if you have an owner like Mark who's like you know constantly there hey mark take a day you know i'm gonna i'm gonna come in early and set up on 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 wednesday you know step up and take care of each other because that that's the way that we're all gonna end up growing you know yeah. and, and an owner has to take the additional risk that's like a fact of capitalism of course <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the owner needs to bear all the brunt of the success right like that can be co-created together if the owner is willing to take on the risk then everybody can co-create the the success you know
0: yeah absolutely so well said Matt wow you know I when I'm when I see a trainer and I see him at 6am and then he's on his feet again I see him at 2 and he's been working the whole time it's very common in training to do 7 8 sessions in a row we've changed it to 9, 10, 11 in a row you're like, hey man, how you doing? Like that, how you doing is not like, I hope your day's well. What's up, bro? bro? It's not that. It's do you need some water? Do you need a protein bar? Do you need something? Because I know what you're doing. And they say it's easy, but you know what? It's nice to check in on people. And I wish I could do more, and I'm still trying to figure that out. What else I could do? Some of them like to do that; those long hours. Some of them know they need a break every few hours, which is fine. I don't fault either one. I think they're both. I respect both of them, but I'm always trying to figure out ways to take care of them. And honestly, I always, I always feel like I fall short because I respect what they do and how hard they work, and I'm trying to systematically create better. Solutions and better systems for them to not kill themselves, you know. But we both know you don't get certain things unless you make big sacrifices. And that's just the way it is. And I had uh, J.L. Holdsworth, who's a very popular strength coach on my show a few weeks ago, and he said, look, man, I wish I could tell you that balance is the key to life, but the only people that speak about balance are the people who have been through decades of imbalance and now have balance. but they gave up huge chunks of their life to have the success and create the balance they have today. So as you said, it's such a fine line in trying to do everything right. Do I delegate this? Do I do this? Should I, should we, we say the term is that a proper use of my time? Mm. Am I doing the right thing? Do I need to be there all the time? Should I be there all the time Because if you're a crutch, I just had this conversation with one of my trainers. We need to figure out a way to communicate better. We have to communicate better because communication is the soul of our team. If you don't communicate and if everything is talk to Mark about it, talk to Mark about it. No, you shouldn't talk to me. You should go talk to that person. Go talk to them and have an adult conversation because that's the only way it will be worked out. That's it, you have to communicate, most importantly with the people on your team. Mm. How was communication at uh, Hugo Fresh uh, at the height and then towards when, it, when things started to, lack of a better term, uh, not go as well or break down?
1: I mean, so my, my best friend who was uh, my partner over the first you know, uh, four years of the business, he and I communicated without words on a regular basis, you know, like literally just a tremendous amount of trust, a tremendous amount of support, you know, oftentimes, you know, I didn't realize that you could love somebody so much, but also want to, you know, kick them in the face every once in a while. And that means you really love them. (laughs) yeah, Yeah. That means you really, really love them. But we had the most amazing communication. And then I think at, at some point, I lost sight on honest communication and I hired too many people who were feeding my ego Mm -hmm. and not enough people who were willing to challenge me
0: yes people
1: a lot of people who who were so hook line and sinker into the vision and I didn't hire enough people that would challenge me so like I'm speaking really high-level communication Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish the communication was that i had fostered a better environment early on of like challenge me i'm ready to be challenged rather than like don't you understand my idea like get my idea like this is the best idea because i often think my ideas are the best ideas but i'm also um maybe i wasn't then and just i'm blind to it but right now where I stand is I love to be asked why though, why do you think that and be asked the deepening questions and go further into explanation of like, why I think something's correct or why I think something is a good idea. So oftentimes I'll talk myself out of it, you know, and um, it's important to have people around you that challenge you, but I think also, we talked a little bit about it in the team meeting, I think it's also contextual integrity when it comes to to uh, to communication, right? So like if i if i work for you mark and and uh, there's something that i think is wrong in the gym and you're in the middle of training somebody contextually that's probably a bad time to talk
0: about of it of course
1: and but it's also like i don't need to take that home and not talk about it right i need to come to you and be like hey mark i think you know uh, we could open up in a different way to have a uh, you know an easier opening but you know you have to Understand that when it comes to communication, which takes a lot of training, so I think one of the most undervalued money spent on uh, on a on a hire is training in the basic skills of like how do you self lead, how do you uh, communicate with integrity, when is a good time to communicate? Because a lot of people don't know that stuff. Man,
0: man you hit such a, that was so that was so key. But you just said a lot of people don't know that stuff. And I think oftentimes that we really think we have great skill sets with communication and people. Like we believe we do. And, and I was like, oh man, my communication's great. I might have the worst communication ever. I think one of the important things that does help me, however, is the fact that I know I constantly need to be better and be working on it. So, um, I, man, I, I don't know. I don't know, I just, how do you get better communication like how do you almost force that and get people to understand that you must tell that person you must talk with that person i don't want anyone holding on to something for a day a day turns into a few days a few days turns into a week a few weeks turns into you know what when i first started working here i really loved this environment this culture now it's negative Well, that's because you held on to something for three weeks or a month. You have the responsibility of talking about it and bringing it to the table. And that doesn't mean we're going to agree, but we can certainly hear each other out because everyone wants to be heard, right?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think the way that I look at it from like a a, a performance standpoint and from like a psychological standpoint and development standpoint is uh, maps, rudders, and tools so maps being like where are we going what is it what do we really want it to look like in the future Mm -hmm. right what does great communication look like what would it be like if we were all in in really great integrity and great dialogue and really productive communication what would that look like would that feel like how could we possibly have some structure around that and then rudders is like what are the values that steer us that make us go in certain directions and what are the behaviors that are in alignment with those which would be things like uh, never letting something sit for over a day, right? Mm-hmm. Would be a, uh, maybe a value. Um, and then the the last part is tools. So like some people just don't have the tools for communication. So owning their sentences, you know, this, and so this place is bad is I don't feel comfortable here anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to change your language to take ownership so you're not giving up your personal power along the way in your communication I think is Wow. is a underdeveloped skill set because a lot of people they th- they're saving their ego but it's for the death of their soul when they when they start to push the blame externally right you want to own as much as you can internally because then you have the power to change
0: own as much as you can internally what does that mean so owning as much as you can internally
1: means like let's say uh l- l- just running with this example of like when i first started i loved it here but now the culture is bad right? Mm -hmm. Or the culture is, uh, uh, not negative, negative. Okay. So the culture is negative. That's external, right? If I say, you know what? I really loved it here in the beginning, but I'm not feeling as comfortable as I used to inside of the culture. And I'm wondering if I could be in a dialogue with you about how, how we can make that better, right? That's taking personal ownership over it. And there's also a pathway out of it. If I just give it up to the culture, then, first of all, culture is the most dynamic thing in the world. Right? It's constantly being created and recreated. So, like, we can put as much as we want up on a wall. We can talk about as much as we oh, want. Yeah. We can think we are a certain way. But every single time we step into a situation, every action and every behavior and every word that comes out of our mouth is recreating a new culture. So, first of all, that's both amazing and scary because that means that it can be recreated relatively quickly
0: with one word
1: but it can also you know fall in the wrong direction pretty quickly so i think by taking personal ownership you're creating your culture of of being an empowered human being and, and having more control over of your life decisions rather than saying the culture or our culture or your culture or the, that sort of language is language to watch out for where you're giving up your your own internal ability and in performance psychology. We call it internal locus of control or external locus of control.
0: Hmm. man good a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true we, we talk about culture here and you know it's so important that every single person treats. Their teammates with respect, has empathy for each other, is understanding. And dude, that's everything. It trickles down to our front office, to our front desk, to our maintenance, to our members, man. It's everything. I don't think people understand what you said. And you said one word could change a culture. And people, you know, when they say giving up, self assessing, taking responsibility in uh, taking as much uh respons- would you say responsibility or ownership yeah meaning you know mark i don't want to have to worry about every word i say i'm like you do of course you do it's called being an adult it's called being responsible you have to worry about the words that come out of your mouth and i i just feel man i, I don't want to take a turn to negative town but there's so few people that take responsibility for the words that come out of their mouth and their actions. It's like, dude, that was my fault. I'm telling you that was my fault.
1: Yeah, and think about the, if you start to get empathetic around that and you start to think about all the suffering that comes along with that. So like, imagine if you're, if you're not taking responsibility for your life, that also means that you don't feel in control of your life. And one of the things that's most disengaging with any process is when you don't feel control. Right, when you don't feel like you have the power to, to make a difference. So if you can now turn that into empathy for those individuals that have no sense of personal responsibility, understand that they also don't have a sense of personal control in their in the rest of their life, and it's probably mirroring around them in a lot of ways, you start to see how hard it is. And that's something that we experience quite a bit at Google Fresh. It's like you can pay somebody ten dollars an hour, which is above minimum wage, you can pay them twelve dollars an hour, fourteen dollars an hour it's still below a really uh, a threshold for a decent living right so you have people coming in with a psychology where you're paying them that they're under a decent living which means that they don't have that many other options right so they're they're in a difficult situation so i learned one how hard that is and two and i mentioned it in my letter is that that is like one of the biggest things that was was for me one of the uh, things that i was grateful for closing was like the structure of employing somebody at that level with such a faulty psychology and to no fault of their own just because of life circumstances hadn't developed the skill set to earn more than that quite yet and and the jobs weren't available at that point for them so how could i ask them to have these skill sets you know how can i ask somebody who's who doesn't even have a a surviving wage no less a thriving wage to think beyond the moment and it's like it's a really hard job that we have as owners to want the most out of people and want the best for people but also know that like the world is is the world is more dominating than our vision and motivation to have people live their best life, right? Like mm. you love people, you want people to excel, you've broken through barriers, so you know what that feels like and all you want is other people to do the same. But life hasn't given them that opportunity yet, so I've had to just become okay with people's processes wherever they're at. And you can give tools, you can right. give maps, you can do all those things, but sometimes man just it's not in this lifetime for yeah. people
0: you know like I think isn't that a part of their when you were saying like these people like they, they're they they're in a situation and they they don't have any other options but I, look it's easy for me to say this now but I wasn't always where I listen I'm by no means a huge success I have a lot of years to go things to learn and, and ways to go and I mean that it's no bullshit man I, I, I know I have a lot of things uh on my pathway, but isn't that a part of their pathway? Like, the, per- the reason a person comes in and works a front desk job is because they're learning the tools. Like, I've seen people work a front desk job at a big globo gym, that they get pulled off that job and go from making minimum wage to 150, 200 thousand dollars a year just because they're incredible with people. You know, and they don't have a huge skill set, but they're nice to people, and they're always like. Let me make that happen for you There's a role for people like that In in life Like they're in the service industry They may not get it all But they get that Mm -hmm. And most people don't get that So I think You know that's a part Not to Not not disagreeing with you But just thinking That's a part of a pathway And then it takes Not everybody's going to be able to Not manifest But create Significant opportunity for them But people have done it
1: it's like uh, i forget what the study is and who the author is i think her name is gretchen man i don't want to missay her name McKen- mckenna maybe but she she writes about four different personality traits mm-hmm. that were in distinctive categories and she says that most people are obligers meaning that they they do things based on social pressures and they don't do things for themselves and like you know, the the other categories are upholders, which are people who will, like, you know, no matter what, will, like, make sure that they're following the rules the way that things are supposed to be. Mark says, put it here. I'm going to put it there. Matthew says, put it there. I'm going to put it there. Like, I'll mm-hmm. do what you tell me to do every single day. Obligers are like, you know, if you don't put it this way, you know, you're going to let down the team. And then they're motivated. And then you have rebels, which are the people who just are totally off the grid and will rebel against everything. And that's only, like, 2% of the population. And then you also have uh, uh, questioners, which is like, you know, 10%, which are the people who need to know the why behind everything. And I think that most people are socialized into these categories and that life pushes us into it Mm -hmm. and that we probably are all born with all four of those personality traits. Exactly. But then we get socialized in different directions. Yeah. But neural patterning is not so different than an operating system or any other thing, right? It just becomes more permanent as it gets reinforced. So it's really hard to look at the overall psychology of humans and give like blanket statements of like, everybody should see opportunity in this or they don't see because of this or be over empathetic like you know like on that side of Mm -hmm. like you know there's an excuse for everything right
0: right right right
1: it's it's somewhere in between how we go about fixing that culturally has to be with a lot of actions from a cultural standpoint you know i don't know if they experience the same problems but we live in a society with a lot of different ways of being and we get socialized to to believe those things and we don't know our capacity like like your example of being able to play football and like nobody would have thought that when you were a kid that you were going to be a football player right no but you 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 prove them you know doctors told me i should never go to go to college that i would be lucky to graduate high school and you know i never thought i'd be successful at anything you don't know what you don't know until you know it we were blessed at some point to get socialized by somebody Mm -hmm. you know whether it was family members friends or the right song at the right time exactly that hit us in a way that opened our brains up to be able to see beyond what other people thought our capacity was Mm -hmm. not everybody is blessed with that
0: right right not everyone sees the signs so to speak yeah and they're those, those minds open it's like white men can't
1: jump when he's like you you can listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. <laughs> you got to be able to hear Jimmy, man.
0: Exactly. And, and then
1: you also need Jimmy,
0: you know? Exactly. All right, Matt, I, I know we've been talking for a long time here. Um, you know, towards the end, you just had, there there's a few powerful takeaways. You talked about standards and team and why the details are important. Could you kind of go over that a little bit? I mean, like... You, I don't know if you emphasize and you realize how important they are and every... It's important for every single person to do their job. This is a big theme on our show. So, can you go over that?
1: Yeah, so um, there's a concept called... In, in the cell. Yeah, there's, okay. a, there's a concept called radical cohesion, which I'm a huge believer in, which is like when... A, when a, in a business, if a team member uh, or an employee or somebody goes rogue from the schedule, right, or rogue from the vision of the business, um, and they start acting out of self-interest, whether that's protecting their job out of self-interest, and like maybe they, you know, don't tell you everything that they should be telling you because they're afraid that they'll lose their job, or um, on the other side of that, they tell you what you want to hear, but really there's a uh, you know a shitstorm behind it those could be acts of going rogue or just acting out of total self interest. So like, you know, if somebody comes in and they start trying to book clients outside of the gym to not get their percentage, these sort of things. Right. Those sort of things can become cancerous to the to the organism of, of a business, right? And it's the same thing with the cells in our body. So if we have one cell in our any organ, let's call it our liver for right now that starts acting independently or rogue and for its self-interest it can start breaking down the other cells around it and causing those other cells to have dis-ease or disease which eventually becomes a full cancer of the liver which can then kill the body right so there's responsibility in a business from both the owner and every single cell in there and what we don't realize sometimes is that we think it's only up to the owner and i can have a completely you know healthy mind and, and have a lot of things going right but if one of my cells starts to act rogue in my body and i'm not tapped into that i can end up with cancer and my whole body can die no matter how strong my mindset has been right and it's the same thing with a, a, a business we oftentimes put all the pressure on the owner but it's up for every cell to be healthy in order to make sure the living organism of the business stays healthy and that, that for me goes the same in, in a community too right like If we just leave it up in sunset harbor to uh you know mayor levine and scott robbins who own the majority of this neighborhood and and we just leave it up to them and we think like they're going to steward this whole thing to to have the best neighborhood then you know we're we're going to end up you know not in a great place and then also if we start acting rogue like if you're not friendly with the gyms and talking about what you're serving or if you know uh, other businesses come in and somebody opens up a uh, pub belly right next to pub belly that's just like it you know or we open up too many concepts of the same thing this neighborhood is going to eat itself and it's going to become a diseased neighborhood and we're going to end up with cheesecake factories everywhere you know, right, and, right and and you know knock off gucci or the gucci off gucci or whatever it's called yeah, i'm yeah. sorry i'm not into fashion so <laughs> I don't know. probably a bad choice to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> but if you feel what i'm saying it's like this neighborhood can get sick quick yeah. you know this country can get sick quick mm-hmm. this business can get sick quick you personally can get sick quick based on one person acting out of self-interest we really and a lot of presidents say it and if you go back and listen to it and they say Is it going to take aliens coming to save humanity, right? Is it going to take disaster of your business like I had to go through to be able to see so clearly, you know, or can you see it before it's coming? Do we have to wait for aliens? Do we have to wait for Cheesecake Factory to be in Sunset Harbor before we wake up as a community?
0: Right. Everyone needs to jump in and get involved. It's not just one person's job. And man, that's a, I heard this recently. There are no perfect environments to work in. No culture is perfect. If you're the person that's always bringing up uh, an issue or a problem and you're not bringing a solution to the table or solution options, what was your true intention? Are you just trying to stir the pot? Because things will always go wrong. I often say, I have a list of 30 things to do every day. That list might get back down to five, but tomorrow it's going to go back up to 25. Like It's never going to be perfect. But what we try to do is be mindful of our choices, decisions, words, and actions, and take care of everything we can to try to minimize the chaos and the negative energy. If we do those things, it'll be a pretty special culture. But it's everyone's job.
1: All the time, in every moment, in every interaction, in every day, in every year, all the time,
0: forever, forever, <laughs> For, forever. as long as
1: we're blessed with this body and on this planet, seriously.
0: Or or and then uh, the gentleman closed with, and if you don't think it's that environment, you should try to find that environment that's optimal. That's it. And that, that those aren't threatening words. Those aren't negative words. But you know, it's uh, as Matt said you know be as grateful as you can for what you do have while you work toward the things that you want so 100 yeah okay man um now i'm going to let you off the hook but i have to put you through the speed round of questions uh and this is Shit, this is this is, this is serious <laughs> all right okay uh your favorite habit that people might not know about favorite habit. A, ha- a habit a habit that excuse me a habit that you have that wasn't phrased properly a habit that you have that most people might not know about feel free to throw out an embarrassing one
1: <laughs> a Habit that I'm
0: uh, um, some people like use like q-tips oh, like I thousand s- a day
1: I, I spit a lot really I, it's like a family thing we like to hack loogies okay
0: right on that qualifies <laughs> a ritual that you really enjoy
1: Man, one of my favorite rituals that I do is um, this morning movement practice, which is like subtle movement where I allow my body to move itself based on intuition. So like allowing one movement to lead to another naturally.
0: Nice. Right on. Favorite food other than juice.
1: Oh, favorite food other than juice. man.
0: But you are going to tell people, like, Matt, I mean, do you just drink juice all day? No, want no, no, to know. No, 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 no. All right, no. I kind of just wanted to know. <laughs>
1: My favorite thing, I think, ever in history is the yellowtail jalapeno from Nobu Matsuhisa.
0: Ooh. Because,
1: you know why? Not only because it's delicious, but because everybody in this game has imitated him, but they cannot get it right. And for that, I have the utmost respect. For Chef Nobu Matsuhisa.
0: Okay, I'm going to tell Chef B. He's going to go at him hard. <laughs> all right. Do you have a favorite cheat food at all?
1: Um, I would say my favorite cheat food is probably Shake Shack or, um, or like a really delicious pizza.
0: Nice. Okay, I'm not going to have you throw any pizza names out there because we'll start a war. Okay. <laughs> favorite movie?
1: Favorite movie? Uh, Goodwill Hunting and Usual Suspects.
0: Ooh, Good Kaiser Jose. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite TV show? Most people on this show say, "Hey, man, I don't even own a TV, so why don't you just..." I,
1: I don't own a TV, but um, I really, really love. Um, I watched. Uh, oh God, I, I'm so bad. I don't even remember the name of it. This is us.
0: No, it was. A, show. It was about this
1: <laughs> Irish gang. It was on Netflix.
0: Oh, Irish gang. Oh, it was uh not Power. No. Irish Gang.
1: Oh, my God. I can't think of the name. I watched it, like, maybe, like, three months ago. I binge-watched it. It was amazing.
0: It wasn't Ray Donovan. No. That's a good one. All right. We'll try to figure it out and give it, get it back to the listeners. Favorite music?
1: Um, right now, I'm, I'm starting to get into... Uh, a lot of like electronic music which I never was before but I grew up on like backpacker hip hop and New Orleans brass band jazz like dirty brass band jazz is some of my favorite
0: oh that's cool very cool okay do you have a favorite music artist of all time um I would say probably
1: Black Thought from the Roots
0: really awesome do you have a favorite sports team
1: um not really anymore but Baltimore Ravens okay that's uh, fine
0: don't say the Dolphins. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. That, yeah. that would never happen. <laughs> all right. The Ravens. Cool. Favorite athlete? Go ahead. Say it. I
1: mean, I'm originally from Chicago, so Jordan yeah. was like... Okay. It, but Magic Johnson was my favorite basketball player of all time.
0: Magic. Awesome. Favorite book?
1: <sighs> um, Parker J. Palmer, who's a Quaker author. All of his books on education, I found find to be a, a um, really powerful i also am a huge huge fan of uh the work of simon sinek and start with the why
0: simon sinek I listened yeah. to a speech of his this morning he's awesome awesome um i got mentor who's your mentor
1: man i i look up to so many people I honestly rely quite a bit on my myself, um, but my brothers were, high, I had three older brothers. I mean, for good and for bad, they mentored me quite a bit.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. All right. Cool. Family. If you could put one word or phrase, I got this from uh, Lewis Howe, uh, on a billboard, what would it be? For the world to see. For the world to see, one word or phrase that you want to get that message out there, man, what would it be?
1: Um, This is one that's just uh, really applicable right now, and it's fresh in my brain. Um, Shout out to Tara and Jack, but no shoes, no phones, no problems.
0: No shoes, no phones, no problems. I like it. We might put that sign up tomorrow. What's the best, I guess, takeaway slash (laughs) lesson For an entrepreneur listening to the show that wants to be the next Matt Sherman innovator,
1: know your
0: psychology,
1: and do not get high on your own supply. Meaning, like, know that you you don't know everything. Know that you have blind spots, and you know, surround yourself with people who will. So if you do catch fire and you do get hot, that you surround yourself with people who will who will help you see the truth.
0: I like that. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thank you, that really. was awesome, man. Thank you so much, and I know you're gonna you you. I know you're because I personally talked to you. But doing big things <laughs> and uh, just out there killing it, man. So I have no doubt. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship. Speaking to the team. In uh, all the positive energy that you put out, not only to this neighborhood, but to everyone around in South Florida and Miami. So thank you, man.
1: No, thank you, brother. I appreciate it.
0: Awesome.